Hello, everybody. This is Shannon Riley, and I today have a wonderful guest, Liz Murdoch. And so welcome to Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley podcast. And I want to hear a little bit from you, Liz. Tell us a little bit about what you do and, and how you started doing what you do. All right. Thank you for having me. So I talk to dogs. I am an animal communicator, but I specialize in talking with dogs and having conversations with them and their people to find out I get it's telepathy, but it's, it's a mix of that. And, you know, the body language and active listening. I, I, I used to do active listening with people and teach it. And it's actively receiving those knowings, the images, the feelings in my body. I'm a medical intuitive. So there's a variety of ways I get information from a dog. And just like you and I are talking Zoom, the dogs will come to the Zoom screen. And I tell my clients, most of my sessions are over Zoom. So I will say to people, I mostly need to see your dog because it's fun for you watching your dog interact with me or your bird as we talked with your bird. So I, I tune into all of those things. And my first knowing was in kindergarten when a dog came for show and tell. And I knew what the dog was thinking. And I just knew when I went home and I wanted a dog. And that started me on my dog relationship. Then it was much later in life. I'd done many things with dogs. I trained my dogs. Uh, I won the blue ribbon in the county fair as a child with all other adults in the, I guess, the final five. I thought, you know, I guess we didn't do very well. I thought we did well. I remember looking around and being perplexed because they hadn't called our name for a ribbon, not realizing that we won the blue ribbon. So anyway, but animal communication was another knowing. There was a booth at an a event where people had booths and I went, saw animal communication. I had never heard of it. And I was like, I want to do that. And so for people who want to do this, it's really following your knowings. And when it was presented to me, I was like, I, I couldn't give the woman the money fast enough to sign up for the class. And that's what got me started in studying it because it is definitely something that it makes a difference, whether reading books help, but studying to have somebody, you know, fine tune how I'm doing it. And I studied with a variety of people to get to my own personal practice. So it's been stepping stones, I often say. Yeah. And you, and having that mentor, you've said a couple of things that I want to follow up on because I, I have always had a little of that intuition too. And, and young, and I don't know if this is how you experienced your intuition, but my experience, well, one in the seventies, eighties, nineties, if you told anybody that you <laughs> knew what the dog was thinking, they might send you to a mental hospital. I mean, like, you know, it really wasn't as open as it is now. Yeah. And I came from a very, a family that like, if I would have said that out loud now they would get it, but then they would not have gotten it. So I don't know how you perceived it, but like, I didn't actually know that this wasn't just a natural thing. Everybody did. It wasn't until after I was a vet tech and I was probably in my twenties or thirties, and I had always been just kind of doing this. I remember being at a conference and they were teaching something. And I was like, they're teaching something that I already know, but I've never studied this. I've never gone to a school for this. I've never read about this. And that's when I started looking at, I actually started looking at human psychic things. And I, Sonia Choquette and Hay House. And I got into this, I dove deep into human, which then led me back to animals because that's where my natural instincts were. How was your childhood having this knowing, but not necessarily knowing you knew. People will say to me, did you always love Dr. Doolittle? 
And I was like, no, the animals were sarcastic. And I remember very vividly seeing it on TV and I was sort of running by and that's not how it is. That's so true that you should say that because people used to call me, oh, you're just Dr. Doolittle. And it would rub me wrong. And I had never really watched it. And I watched it later again in life. I was like, that's not really how it is. My dogs don't talk back to me and stuff. Not that sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always perplexed when people talk about, you know, being a Dr. Doolittle. I'm like, well, that's not what it's like. I've never found animals to be rude, the sarcasm and it, it only really flows when I'm so fully present in the most loving, true way. You know, it's easier to do it with, you know, I've had people say, can you read me? And it's, it's harder for me to do it with people because I'm not reading a dog. I'm interacting. It's a conversation. It's in real time. And I always do it with the dog's person. So it's a three-way conversation. So Mm -hmm. even if I know that the dog likes something, it's meaningless if I can't have the, the person have meaning from it because I'm leaving the two of them together. So no, Dr. Doolittle as a child did not (laughs) with me at all. And I didn't think much of it like with other dogs. It was just sort of personal, like a knowing, like I I knew what my dogs wanted and I was fine with that. It was later as an adult that it, it started. I always had knew my intuition though. Every decision I made, I I had a note. My mother called it my little voice. Yeah, it's interesting too that, you know, you say that you had, you mentioned that you have to be present. And I have experienced, it's kind of weird because I experienced it. And then I got really sick with chronic Lyme disease and my life got really stressful for a little while. And I didn't lose my intuition, but I was not connected to my intuition anymore. But I didn't know it because I was in a really stressful life circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then as I started to heal from those life circumstances and came back to myself, oh, my intuition's back. Oh, oh, I, I heard that dog or I, you know, I like felt that again. And I think that's something that when people put you on the spot, you know, they meet you at the grocery store. What do you think my dog's thinking? And I'm like, I'm here with my three kids. We're here for a, a festival and it's stressful. I find for myself as an empathic person and an empath, I've had to learn to actually guard that because if I'm in an environment that's extremely anxious people, I will take on that anxiety. And all of a sudden I feel anxious and I don't have a reason to be anxious. And so I had to learn how to protect myself a little bit because of taking in that stuff. I don't know if you experienced that at all. So I can do it very quickly with the animals, but I think that's because it's my passion. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody who color, should I paint a wall? I'm like, (laughs) Oh, I, you know, I'll, I'll tend to, I don't know my, mm-hmm. so I do believe my gift is, is talking with these dogs more. Mm-hmm. So can someone learn it? Sure. Probably. Could I learn to sing? Yeah, but I'm not going to be on Broadway. Yeah. So there, there's something about that when I am more in tune with myself, yes, it flows much faster. I recently was working with someone who she had been doing, you know, she does cleanses and she suddenly had a knowing about me. We were talking and she said something and I had never discussed it with her. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did you know that? And she said, I just know. And I said, it's working. You've cleansed your yourself. You, you've taken better care of your gut and you are, and we're friends. So it, it yeah. was like, 
I was open with her probably more energetically than I am with some people who I don't know, but -hmm. she was able to tell me something. It wasn't a big deal, but it was just like, wow. And she's never studied it, but just it can happen to people when they are better aligned with themselves in what, whatever that means. And I do, I agree that there's like, we have gifts for everything and it's, you know, gifts for different things. And like, you know, I would never be able to be an engineer. I could probably learn it, but it would be terrible, you know? And yeah, there are books out there and there are classes and there are universities. And there, I mean, you know, online things and, and you can go to conferences. Like I said, I used to be really involved in Hay House. So I would go to a lot of their conferences and you would do these workshops where, you know, they were teaching you how, how to be in Hay House's situation as humans, you could translate it to, you know, animals. And um, so if somebody is like, I'm not sure if this is a gift or I, I kind of feel this, or I have an interest in this field, mm-hmm. where would you suggest they kind of start for getting some of their training? Are there like webinars or websites or books? When people want to train with me, I say, I want you to book a session with me first. And I think that whether it's me or somebody is drawn to another person, have a session with that person who's going to be teaching. And I I sort of think it's a red flag. Now there's so many people who teach who don't practice that it's not as helpful for someone who's learning. You want to watch the person, how they do it. That's just my opinion. So I, my students have to book a session with me first to decide one, to experience it. And two, to see how I work, they like it if they like me, because I do a lot of individual teaching Mm -hmm. and some people don't want to make that investment uh, because you have homework and you have to keep doing. But I find that if someone really wants to do it, it builds by Mm -hmm. doing it regularly. There are some weekend programs, intensives, which can be good as long as the person has time to continue it. It's like any weekend thing that a person does. How do you maintain it once you're gone? That's like any conference or continuing education. Exactly. And so in animal communication, you need that continued support. You also taught groups and, you know, if I talk, if somebody talks to, usually they have like one per, one person's dog, let's say, and, you know, I see the dog, the dog is really happy on a walk. It loves laying out in the sun. That can be very general. And so when you work with an instructor, you want to make sure that someone is going to sort of pick it apart to fine tune it in a positive way. Like I, with, with my students, I'll say, well, how do you know that that dog likes the sun? Are you getting a feeling? Do you feel the sun? Where do you feel the sun? On the front paws? Oh, you notice that it's only in the front because the back paws are really sore. And oh, does the dog, is it paralyzed? What's going on? Having someone who can push you to get specifics on why you're saying something makes you a better animal communicator if you want to use it to help somebody who's making a life or death decision, who's deciding whether to go to the vet for another $800, whether to call the vet about something, what to tell the vet. You know, there's really important reasons why the messages that we get as animal communicators, when we give them to the people who hire us, if that's, or someone's volunteering with a shelter or something, you need to be able to say why you got that information. And and a class where you get feedback is going to help grow you. I often say, take your message from a dog. If you have a feeling that a dog isn't feeling well, turn that one sentence, my dog isn't feeling well, 
into two or three sentences. How do you know? Why are you saying that? And that'll start growing your, Mm -hmm. your abilities. If somebody's like, this is really interesting and I'm feeling like I might be interested in it and they just want to get like a little more information. We're very general today. Is there a place Mm -hmm. that someone could go a book or a website that had just a little like snapshot of what it might be like to be a communicator? Well, I would go to my website, talking with the dogs for For sure. sure. I, I, you know, it's an overview and you'll get information. You can go to Amazon and look up animal communication and read through the different books and the authors, because there's a wide range. And some of the listeners are, you're convinced that your dog is coming back to you. There's an afterlife while others are convinced there's no afterlife. And so there are animal communicators with a range of beliefs. And so finding the book, that's why I wouldn't say any particular okay. book, mm-hmm. finding the book and the knowing is it the, I think is the most important start at Amazon, look at some books, see which ones resonate and jump out at you and start there. And then I would go to my website. I, I like it. So I'm prejudiced, but <laughs> there are, there are other animal communicators. I might not be the one for you. If you want mm-hmm. somebody who's talking about um, a different, a different perspective on animal communication. And there's a lot out there and it's easy to find different opinions. It, like people say to me all the time, oh, you have the best job ever. And it's like, well, I love what I do. I would do it for free. I love it. Mm-hmm. However, it's a lot of work because it's not just me and the dogs. I have to make sure that the people understand. So yes, you can use animal communication to support. There are people who use it in their work with shelters. They have sanctuaries. There's a woman who uses it with her sanctuary and there's many ways to use it. So that's yes. an excellent and important way to integrate it into what you're already doing for how to know whether where to place a dog if you're running a rescue or even in a shelter or how to speak up for a dog and say, this dog, I really think would prefer not to be with young children or really likes that family number one, because their daughter, it really, I could tell connected with their daughter. It doesn't have to be your sole career, but you can no. use it to amplify what you're already doing. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you, something you said at the very beginning that helps too, is that active listening. Yeah. And uh, when you get into fields like me or you, like even when I'm as a vet tech or as a dog trainer, active listening is, it's hard for people who aren't um, more intuitive anyway, because they're already thinking about their own thing where you have to be engaged with that person to really hear what they're saying, because sometimes they'll say something, but it's not really, they don't have the words to say it, but you can, you can fill in the gaps if you are actively listening. So, and some people just aren't good at that either. And they might, that just means this isn't their gift. It doesn't mean there are bad people. It's just, that's not the part of their, their repertoire. It's also hard because when you have an animal communication session with a dog or in like in your work, it's just a fleeting moment where you get a knowing from a dog. Sometimes, well, often there's more than one person involved in that dog's life. And so if the dog is saying, my stomach hurts when I eat too many treats, and I only need, you know, treat number one. Well, there may be a person in that family that's favorite pastime is giving the dog multiple treats every day. Yes. And that requires an adjustment on their part. And are they going to modify that based on what some animal communicator said? 
Right. <laughs> so it's tricky in how we share our information, but it's so important. You know, if you're a vet tech or a dog trainer and you observe something or you get a knowing, it's like animal communication can help you in learning how to share that message that you're getting in a constructive way. For sure. For sure. Because because in especially in Western medicine, when I didn't really realize that I already had this, I had sometimes the vets would say, how did you know? Or, you know, and I just like, Right. But, but if I also said, well, the dog told me right. in Western medicine, <laughs> I may have been fired, <laughs> especially in the eighties and the nineties, right. you might've been like, okay, we do not want that tech. So I didn't, but I didn't know they were telling me because I had grown up hearing it. So I didn't know that not everybody did that. Like I just didn't know. Then now I've become more aware. So do you have some fun stories to let people kind of know what you do? It can be, you know, some happy stories. There might be some not so happy stories, but any some stories that you would just like to share to kind of let people see, like kind of like they're looking into your world for a minute. Okay, sure. So uh, most people follow me and whether you're going to work with me or someone, you know, they, they'll check out my Instagram, they go to my website and they get to the point where they know they want to work with me. And so that's a great step for someone who's on the fence about it is like, when you check somebody out, do you know this is the right thing for you? It's like, yes, I feel good about this. I'm excited. So people come to me, they're excited. They've booked usually online. They just book an appointment. I And I will then tell them, don't tell me anything about your dog. I don't want to know any situation, just your dog's name. And I'd like your dog to be available by Zoom. So just like you and I are talking, the dog is usually right there leaning in like this. <laughs> they will fall asleep and I will say, hi, I'm Liz. I'm an animal communicator and I want to talk to you. And they perk up and they do it. I, I had one an hour ago. And because I don't know anything, and this is where animal communicators are different. Some will say, send me your questions ahead of time, whatever. I don't. So I just start in and I'll say, hi, Fido. You know, what do you want to talk about today? How are you doing? Can you show me something that you like so your person knows I'm talking to you? So today the dog was talking about the treats. And yes, treats is a common thing, but not every dog talks about that right away. Mm -hmm. So I will say, oh, your dog really loves the treats, the smells, and I start describing. And so today this dog was talking about the treats and I said, oh, and I could feel it in my stomach. And I said, oh, I feel like you can't eat as much as you used to because you've got like, oh, it's like below the belly button down your body is not the same. It feels sort of heavy, but um, not completely there. I can't completely feel everything, but, um, and you can't eat as much. You're much more active above up here. Well, it turns out the dog is paralyzed. Mm. And I was like, oh, and so, like smaller. So I start describing what the dog likes and, and wants and they're verifying, which is good. And, and they're saying, yes, he's paralyzed and he loves food. I go, but he doesn't eat as much, but he likes the small amounts. And it's your husband who gives him little things. And then I'm like, but, but he also likes the smells. Even if you just let them, him smell what's going on. Or occasionally the dog, I'll get a knowing about the woman's uh, perfume or bath products or the, and they'll say yes. And so um, that's not everybody it's, but it's those descriptors. So today, you know, I was talking about that 
And then we went on and I, the dog will, will be looking at me. And, and this is why I think doggy in knowing the animals, like I am much better with specifics about dog care than horses. Cause I don't know the horses as much mm-hmm. um, in terms of their body, but I will say, you know, I want you to position your, your dog this way. And the dog will totally calm down and, and go into a comfortable deep sleep. And it happens 90% of the time that we can get adjustments for the animals in real time. And that's why I like zoom. So that is something I like to tell people who are wondering because they can witness their dog interacting. Another dog was showing signs of sort of not stress, but it, it wasn't completely relaxed. And so I said to the man, I said, your dog is tight around the neck and there was no visible sign. I, I could feel a tightness in my neck. Well, the dog had just been at a boarding train where the trainer was using a shock collar. And I didn't know that. I just said, it's so sore. It feels like something's happened around the neck and your dog is not, it's not just like a sharp pain. It's a, it's just a constant throbbing Mm. kind of thing and it needs to rest. And so as, so they said about that and they had, they had questions about that particular training for their particular dog. And I said, I want you to take your hands. And I had him guide it over the dog and the dog just totally stretched out and relaxed because I could see, and I could, I have experienced with energy where, and I will say Joan Ranquette, her book on energy healing and her teaching, I would marvel watching her do energy healing teaching on dogs. So Mm -hmm. that is one, I think that is a book I would definitely recommend. But so, so she taught me about energy healing on dogs. And I had this man guiding his hands over this dog and it just totally relaxed. It's funny that you should say that because, you know, as I said, I was a Western vet tech, you know, like nothing, anything that wasn't science, like in, you know, Western medicine, I was at the, in the nineties, well, that's, you know, I wouldn't believe any of it. The hospital I worked at got a new owner and then she decided to bring in someone who did acupuncture. Mm -hmm. And I did not believe in acupuncture at all at the time. And I was like, whatever. But we had, we were in Napa and we had a lot of clients asking for it. And then I watched dogs come in barely mobile, you know, Mm -hmm. so sore. And I was the assistant. I would have to assist the acupuncturist at first until they settled down. So I would sit with the dog, give them treats until they were actually start getting the needles in. And you'd watch these dogs fall asleep yeah. with needles in them. And then I remember this bulldog leaving who could barely walk in, leaves and is jumping on us. And I was like, turn me into a believer because dogs don't have, you know, placebo effects. Dogs don't have that yeah. stuff. So when you watch it and like you just explained, when you watch that, you really go, there's something to this. And um, it really turned me from, and and I have had acupuncture myself. I had a Reiki myself. I have learned Reiki, you know, like it changed my perspective of it one way thinking, you know, like there's so many different modalities that help in so many things. And so I really love how you explained how you could actually physically watch the dog changing. And there was no other reason for, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it was when you did something, something happened. And you probably can repeat that if you had clients that you talk to on a regular basis, you would be able to repeat it. So it's not just this one off, you know, that it happened. So I was going through my, my recordings. I've got over 275 recordings of conversations with dogs from just the last, whatever. And they all 
will respond. And it's mm-hmm. not, I'm not even the one I'm talking to somebody who's never done energy work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like this particular man I'm thinking of, he was brought on because his wife booked the session. He's like, okay. And I'm guiding him to use his hands. And he's doing this energy work on his dog where he, you know, three hours before he had no idea what an animal communication was. Right. Exactly. So it's amazing, but it's like anybody who has a a dog that they, I have two dogs sitting next to me right now. So W A L K, you know, (laughs) yes. If you take out the leash, they go nuts. Yeah. So what, because it has meaning to them and they associate what's going to happen without mm-hmm. any words. My dogs yep. do it when I put certain shoes on. Yep. Yep. So if you can do that for other things and they respond, you know, it would seem that other things would also cause a response because they're energetic beings. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I just, people who studied with me, it, and every one of them at one point or another, whether it's at the beginning or at the end, they'll say, I'm so glad I did this. I knew I needed to work with you. It's where I want to get people, whether they know they need something with me or they need to do more dog training with you or whoever. Yeah. It's getting people back to their knowings. For sure. That what is would- so impactful. For sure. For sure. And, and and knowing your gifts and accepting your gifts. I just had a client right before that we met at a park and it's a cocker spaniel, a field cocker spaniel. So a working, co- not the big old lazy, you know, kind. And we were at a park and this dog was a, I took video because I was shocked. Her gift is to be a tracking dog. Mm-hmm. I said, you have a dog who, if you did field trials and you did tracking, you would win without training. I mean, this dog mm-hmm. was like, I haven't seen a dog so skilled, right? With no training in years and years and years. And of course, mm-hmm. she's like 80. She's all Shannon. I'm not doing that. And I said, well, if I could find somebody to, to compete her, you know, I would totally do it. There's not very many of that things in this area, but I was explaining to her that is her gift. Mm-hmm. And you cannot look at this dog and think she's going to be in a good obedience, perfect obedience dog. When you're in a park or you're in a place where there's all these scents, her genetics and her gifts are going to take over. And it was so cute because she's, this woman was like, kind of got a smile. And she's like, so I just need to change my expectations. And I said, yes. And I said, and we were talking and she's a, this client is an avid piano player. And I said, I wish that I had that gift, but I don't have that gift. I've tried learning the piano and it's frustrating. I said, but I love to hike and run. And she goes, well, I hate hiking and running. And I said, exactly. And I said, and my son is a swimmer and a water polo player. And he gets in the water and it was snowing and they still had to get in the water and they had practice. You could not, you'd have to pay me a billion dollars a day (laughs) to do that. So we all have our gifts of things that are easy and stuff. And so I think that that is what you can also offer to your clients is helping them, which I have to do is sometimes go, you're barking up the wrong tree a little bit with what you expect from your dog. So, and yourself, you know, is really what are those gifts? I think animal communication is worth exploring. At least read a book or really? hire someone. I mean, I've had sessions that were, I didn't feel were very good with when people were practicing with me. And I'm like, ooh, if you're going to work and, and tell somebody else what you're getting, consider these things to make so it's effective and not harmful. Yeah. Because you've got to be pretty accurate in some of the things that you're saying or justify it, that it can be verified. And if it's not verified, then figure out "Mm, maybe your interpretation, it was a metaphor and you need to share it in a different way yourself, but exploring it makes such a difference. And 
you know, as a tennis player, I remember Chris Everett years ago saying she may not be the best athlete, but she's willing to work the hardest because she wants it. And so if someone wants to get good at animal communication and it's not natural, it is possible mm-hmm. to practice, 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 and then you'll be open to finding a way to using it most effectively. When you have a client calling you, do you have anything like somebody's asking about to, to talk to their dog? Do you have themes that are like the most common themes or can it be just about anything? I have them write down their questions that they really want to know that prompted them to hire me. Then I will allow every dog to answer certain questions because I want to let the dog have a chance to say something. The themes that people, when they like finally call me, they're like, oh, I've been thinking about it, but I I need to know. It's usually a medical, a a physical change in the dog's you know, I think my dog doesn't feel well, but the vet couldn't find anything. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out what to do because vets can offer different options and they want to know what to, which option to consider. I don't diagnose or prescribe, but I can say, um, your dog is expressing more pain here. Mm-hmm. Or, and then they'll say, oh, you're, you're, that's interesting because he's got A and B is wrong, but what you're saying B is what's bothering him the most. I don't necessarily know what the vet said was A and B, but I'm telling them what the animal is saying. So that's how they use it help effectively. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, I mean, cause you know, they are coming and, and sometimes there are mysteries, you know, and if you can get that extra like input of following the right path, that makes a lot of sense. So especially um, from someone who who doesn't even know what the options are. Like I can, I can say, uh, oh, you're, I, I see that your dog is like on three different meds, you're one, two, and three, mm-hmm. but, but whatever two is, you know, it, like it, often it's the stomach issues, the mm-hmm. gut digestion. Yeah. I'll say, ask your vet if, if number two, whatever that is, can be adjusted. And then they'll go, oh yeah, we've been talking about doing that. If, you know, if there's one little nugget of something you could share with everybody, whether it's about hiring you for their animal or hiring you to train them or, you know, learning this field, what is something that you would like to share to everyone, you know, before we sign off? Everybody has their knowing they can get back to, like when you first met your dog and you knew that this dog is going to stay as a family member, make sure that in in a home with more than one person, even if it's a roommate, it involves everybody who a dog lives with affects that dog. So if you can get everybody more aligned or involved with the knowing and the decisions about the house and how you you treat and interact with the dog, it creates a great shift and, and leads to more harmony for everybody. I mean, I see that even with what I do, you know, yes. If the husband uh, treats the dog differently than the wife treats, I mean, and especially it's almost like if you have two extreme parents with children or, right. you know, it's, it's confusing for the, the dog or, you know, in that situation. Yeah. So. Consistency makes it different. Sometimes it's easier to get to that harmony when you, you tie it in with ev- what everybody knows. Well, Liz, thank you so much. And we'll share your website on this podcast and, And, you know, hopefully people will, if they're like on the fence, this kind of pushed them over the edge to check out Animal Communicator or learn more about it. Well, thank you so very much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And who knows, you know, we may have more because, you know, we, we just keep getting back together. So thank you everybody for listening today. And thank you very much, Liz, for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you.